Good evening. You're on the air with Mike and I'm Mike. This is Mike Hasichek and I love my Catholic faith. Today we're going to be talking about what the Catholic Church teaches us about judgment, both when we die and at the end of time. But first, let's start out with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. We pray you, O Almighty and Eternal God, who through Jesus Christ has revealed your glory to all nations, to preserve the works of your mercy, that your church, being spread through the whole world, may continue with unchanging faith in the confession of your name. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So last week we mentioned about how crowded the churches were on Easter Sunday. You know, at my particular parish, the morning Easter Mass was so full there were only a couple of parking spaces left in the parking lot. You know, for example, at the 9 a.m. Mass, uh, there are normally around, I don't know, something like 200 people. And at the Easter 9 a.m. Mass, there were 449 people that attended. And at the 11 o'clock Mass, uh, they normally have around 290, 300-ish uh, people. And on Easter Sunday, there were 750 people in attendance for the 11 o'clock Mass on Easter. That's more than double the normal attendance at Mass for both morning Masses. Um, that's, that's, that was incredible. So where in the world did all these people go this past weekend? I was so disappointed to see attendance back to normal with even a few people missing. You know, you tend to see a lot of the same people at Mass on the weekends because they sit in the same area every week. And unfortunately, there were some people that you know I saw that were missing this past weekend the weekend after Easter. And it's hard to believe that 57% of the people that attended on Easter Sunday did not attend Mass the following Sunday. Granted that some of these people uh, that were there on Easter were probably visiting from out of town, you know, probably coming in to see relatives. Um, but you could also say the same thing about people that were missing because they were out of town visiting their relatives. You know, I, I think I would like to do a program in the future on why this is the case and some suggestions maybe as to how to get these people back in the church uh, to come every Sunday. You know, that's something that, you know, you don't really see ministries in churches that are focused on bringing people, Catholics that have left the church, back to the church. You know, you have, um, most parishes have lists of people that contributed over the years and, and then they don't hear from them and, and um, you know, they need to be contacted. You need to get them back. Um, it's about the salvation of souls. Um, so, but today's topic is about judgment. What happens when we die and what happens at the end of the world or the end times? Um, the study of the end times in, in Catholicism is called eschatology. So, you know, Jesus will come at the end of time to judge all of us. And this is called uh, the parousia, often referred to as the second coming or the final judgment. It occurs at the end of time here on earth when all the dead are resurrected. However, those who die before the parousia will be judged immediately at their deaths. This is called the particular judgment. So if you die before the end of time, which, you know, most of us over the years, you know, that's, ha that's what's happening. Um, you're going to be judged. Your soul gets judged at that moment. Um, and that's called... We call that in Catholicism particular judgment. And there are three possible outcomes to the particular judgment. 
those who love for God has been whose love for God has been perfected in this life, they go straight to heaven. Those who die in God's love imperfectly must first be purified in purgatory before going to heaven. Um, and that's because nothing impure can enter heaven. Those who rejected God's love by committing mortal sin and die without repenting that mortal sin are condemned to hell. So we need to go to confession, which is a sacrament of penance and reconciliation, where we, where we receive absolution for our sins. The general judgment at the end of time confirms what judgment we receive in that in the particular judgment. So again, we have another judgment where you're, uh, in the final judgment, our resurrected bodies will enter that judgment for all eternity. So initially it's just our soul, and then at the end of time, you know, our bodies will be resurrected um, and united with our souls, and, and then you know we'll spend eternity with whatever judgment we received at the particular judgment. Um, now, paragraph 1861. Now, here's the co a little caveat here. Mortal sin is defined, this is in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1861, defines mortal sin, what it, what it, what it does. It says, mortal sin is a radical possibility of human freedom, as is love itself. It results in the loss of charity and the privation of sanctifying grace, that is, of the state of grace. If it is not redeemed by repentance and God's forgiveness, it causes exclusion from Christ's kingdom and the eternal death of hell. For our freedom has the power to make choices forever with no turning back. However, although we can judge uh, that an act in itself is a, is a grave offense, we must entrust judgment of persons to the justice and mercy of God. So it all depends on you know, God's justice and mercy. Um, he can make exceptions. But let's go to paragraph uh, of the Catechism of the Church 1021. And it says it follows. Death puts an end to human life as the time open to either accepting or rejecting the divine grace manifested in Christ. The New Testament speaks of judgment primarily in its aspect of the final encounter with Christ in, its, in, its, in his second coming, but also repeatedly affirms that each will be rewarded immediately, as immediately after death in accordance with his works and faith. That's works and faith. The parable of the poor man Lazarus and the words of Christ on the cross to the good thief, as well as other New Testament texts, speak of a final destiny of the soul, a destiny which can be different for some and for others. Now this is paragraph 1022 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So it says as follows. So each man receives his eternal retribution in his immortal soul at the very moment of his death in a particular judgment. That refers his life to Christ, either entrance into the blessedness of heaven through a purification or immediately or immediate and everlasting damnation. At the evening of life, we shall be judged on our love. And we can go to Hebrews, that's chapter 9, verse 27, where it says, And just as it, as it is appointed for men to die once, and after that comes judgment. So there we go. It, it tells us in Scripture, you know, we are judged after we die. And then we go to the last judgment. What happens at the last judgment? Let's look at 
paragraph uh, 1038 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. The resurrection of all the dead, of both the just and the unjust, will precede the last judgment. This will be the hour when all who are in the tombs will hear the Son of Man's voice and come forth, those who have done good to, to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Then Christ will come in his glory and all the angels with him. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate them uh, from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep at his right hand, but the goats at his left. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And then paragraph 1039 of the Catechism of Christ who is truth itself? The truth of each man's relationship with God will be laid bare. The last judgment, this is really important, will reveal even to its further, furthest consequences the good each person has done or failed to do during his uh, earthly life. And this is, um, in, in this paragraph, there's a quote from um, St. Augustine. It says as follows, All that the wicked do is recorded, and they do not know. When our God comes, he does not keep silence. He will turn towards those at his left hand. I place my poor little ones on earth for you. I, as their head, was seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father. But on earth my members were suffering. My members on earth were in need. If you gave anything to my members, what you gave would reach their head. What that, would that you had known that my little ones were in need when I placed them on earth for you and appointed them your stewards to bring you good works into my treasury. But you have placed nothing in their hands, therefore you have found nothing in my presence. So it's interesting getting that pers perspective uh, from St. Saint, from Saint Augustine. You know, it's just, you know, this is part of what happens in the judgment. And um, we can go to um, John chapter 5 verses 28 through 29 where it says the follows, following do not marvel at this for the hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment so you know this is all scripturally based and um, you know we th this is you know we can go back and um, early history of the church and see from our church fathers all you know all in agreement with you know what we're what we're seeing here in the catechism of the catholic church so it's 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 been the belief for and the dogma of the church for for many many years um since the beginning and uh we can look at acts chapter 24 verse 15 um where it says having a hope in god which these themselves accept there, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So again, here we have more evidence that in that resurrection, you know, we're, there's going to be a judgment, both for the just and the unjust, and you know they're going to go to different places. You know, we're going to see, you know, the just will go to heaven, and the unjust are going to are going to uh, spend eternity in hell. And then if we look at, we can go to Matthew chapter 25 verse 31 through 46 and this one is really compelling um, and this is the judgment of the nations when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him then he will sit on his glorious throne 
Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates a sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep at his right hand, but the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his, at, at his right hand, Come, O blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see thee hungry and feed thee, or thirsty and give thee drink? And when did we see thee a stranger and welcome thee, or naked and clothe thee? And when did we, sit, when did we see thee sick, or in prison, and visit thee? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the internal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when did we see thee hungry or thirsty, or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison, and did not minister to thee? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Wow, that is just so beautiful. And, it, you know, it's so important for us to know that, you know, we're going to have a judgment day. You know, when, when we die, we're going to be judged. You know, our life is finished. All those things that we did, you know, if we, weren't, if we were obedient to God, if we were not obedient to God, you know, we're going to have to answer for all of that, you know. Every single day on this earth counts. And we need to be obedient to our Lord. We need to seek a path towards holiness and the salvation of our souls. And, you know, if, if we're in mortal sin, we need to go to confession and get absolution for those sins and stay and remain in the state of grace because we never know when that hour is going to come. And, you know, we know that, too, uh, at the end of time, uh, Jesus is going to be coming and um, we're going to have a second judgment with the resurrection of our bodies, and you know, which we call the, the general um, judgment. And that, that's going to be... Um, you know, absolutely amazing and beautiful too as well. You know, I mean, um, it, there are so many people that do so many good things. Um, you know, there's so many, they do so many good corporal, corporal works of mercies. They, their, their prayer lives are, are, are very full. Um, they fast. They do almsgiving. They do all the things that Jesus taught us in the Gospels to do. Uh, and then there are some people that, you know, it's like they live for today in the secular world, doing secular things, ignoring God. Um, and even, you know, they may believe in God, but they don't honor God, you know, and they're not, they're not following the commandments. They're not attending mass. Um, you know, it, it's in our Catholic faith, you know, we know that if you, if you um, commit a mortal sin, and, you know, you break one of the Ten Commandments. You know, one of the one of the easiest one is, you know, is not honoring God on the Sabbath. And, uh, you know, for those people that 
just go to uh, Mass on uh, Easter and um, Christmas, you know, every Sunday they miss it, they're committing a mortal sin in between. So, I mean, it's just so important. And, you know, there's so much to look forward. There's so much, there's so much hope. You know, Jesus really gave, gave us so much hope um, in his resurrection and ascension. Um, and, you know, you, you know, a lot of times we wonder, you know, people say, well, why didn't Jesus spend more time on earth? Well, he sent him into, he sent him into heaven to keep our focus on heaven, you know, and, and, and the good things of heaven and not the things of this earth, you know. And, and that's what, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to wrap up today by talking about the vision of the new Jerusalem. And, you know, this is uh, in Revelation uh, chapter 21, starts in verse 9 and goes through uh, verse, let's see, is it 21 or, no, it goes through verse 27. And it's really um, John uh, uh, it describing what he's seeing, that an angel is showing him. And this is going to be what heaven, is, the new Jerusalem is going to look like. And, you know, this is a very allegorically described. You know, it's the way that John is able to describe it, um, you know, being a human, being here on earth and seeing it. And, um, you know, a lot of the numbers that might that are in here, you know, they're, um, you know, they're allegorically um, presented, meaning that um, there, there's, they're not, you know, they're not exact measurements and things like that or numbers but they really depict um, large amounts of, um, you know, people or, um, you know, size, that kind of a thing. But um, it is, it, you know, it, it really, what, what else is really interesting about it is that um, you can actually compare a lot of what we see in, in Revelation with Ezekiel, and particularly in the vision of the New Jerusalem and that you can go to Ezekiel chapters, 40 through 48, you see a lot of uh, correlation between what we see, what John saw in Rev Re Revelation and what Ezekiel experienced as well. So let me read the vision uh, uh, of the New Jerusalem. And, you know, this is the incentive to stay in a state of grace because when you can imagine how beautiful heaven is, you know, and, 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 and there'll, there'll be a place for us if, if we do all the right things and are obedient to God and stay in a state of grace. That's a reward we get for all eternity to spend with the Trinity. Um, we don't want to go the other way and, 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 and um, you know, and, and end up spending eternity in hell. So let me read a description of what John wrote in Revelation about his vision. It reads as follows. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues, and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And in the spirit, he carried me away to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, come down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. 
And he who talked to me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square its length, the same as its breadth. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and breadth and height are equal. He also measured it, its wall, 144 cubits by a man's measure, that is, an angel's. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, clear as glass. The foundation of the wall of the city were adorned with every jewel. The first were jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst, and the and the twelve gates were twelve were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, transparent as glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city had no need of sun or moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light shall the nations walk, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it, and its gates shall never be shut by day, and there shall be no night there. They shall bring it into, into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean shall enter it, nor anyone who practices abomination or falsehood, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. My goodness, that is absolutely beautiful. And this is what we have to look forward to. This is why it is so important for us to follow our faith, to go to Mass every Sunday, to participate in that Mass, to do corporal works of mercy, to fast, to do almsgiving, to pray, to have a, have a deep prayerful life. You know, make God the center of our lives. The reward is un, absolutely unbelievable. And you know, it's, it, it's so interesting. No matter how wealthy or happy you think you are on this earth, you can take nothing with you when you die. You know, you know there are people out there that, are, that have these unbelievable lifestyles, but that's all temporary. You know, when you think about um, how much time you're going to spend on this earth in your lifetime, you know, whether you're somebody who lives a short life, you know, or somebody who lives to be 100 years old, it's only a brief moment in time compared to what all eternity is. And, you know, what I just read is the kind of thing that we're going to have to look forward to. And that's why it's so important, you know, to stay in the state of grace and, and to be obedient to our Lord, to seek that path towards holiness and the salvation of our souls, to spend all eternity with the Trinity. And with that, we're going to wrap it up today, and we'll talk to you next week. God bless you, and have a great week.